We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? We are back. Episode number three of Candlestick Chronicles. I'm joined, as always, by Kyle Madsen. The content czar over at NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group. I'm Chris Biederman. I cover the San Francisco 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. Kyle, Happy New Year. What are your plans for tonight? Uh, I'm going to head out and have dinner with uh, with my girlfriend and my family, and then we're going to go back to... Uh, Go back to the house, play some cards, enjoy some beverages, and ring in the new year with with uh, loved ones. So it should be a good time. We get it. You have a girlfriend. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, coming off a high from the Red Box Bowl, a riveting seven to six game played at Levi's Stadium uh, between the Oregon Ducks and Michigan State Spartans. Oregon, of course, won that game earlier in the day. The reason why I was at Levi's Stadium. The Niners uh, cleaned out their lockers. Uh, a lot of guys spoke to, to us reporters. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan at a 25-minute joint press conference. They covered a lot of stuff that we can talk a little bit about today in this episode. Um, I guess the first thing to start with is uh, George Kittle. He set the all-time record for receiving yards by a tight end and, and Sunday's loss to the Rams. The 49ers, of course, finishing 4-12. and The biggest story from that game is Kittle. Um, no tight end in history has more receiving yards in a single season. And I think a lot of us thought George Kittle would be good. Um, he would be a plus player for the 49ers in his second season after, after having a pretty good rookie year. I don't think anybody thought he would be arguably the best tight end in football, which uh, pro football focus thinks he is. Uh, the, the passing statistics say he's the league's most productive tight end in the passing game. So Kyle, um, Tell me your thoughts about George Kittle and and where 
you think the 49ers go from here with with their second year tight end or third year tight end in 2019? Yeah, I think we were all expecting a little bit of a breakout from him this year. But what we saw was was really remarkable considering the lack of other weapons on the offense, uh, the fact that the Niners went through three quarterbacks and he was still able to produce and produce down the field, produce in in the screen game. Uh, and, and his effectiveness after the catch was really something that that stood out to me and was not something that I expected this year. And <laughs> here's a, here's a, a hard-hitting piece of analysis. Not sure he'll ever surpass 1,377 yards in a season again, but I think he's going to continue to be uh, one of the most effective tight ends in the league once the Niners get Jimmy Garoppolo back under center and, and, and have a full complement of weapons in the backfield and, and at receiver. Yeah, and one of the things Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch both said today, and Joe Staley said it too, was they expect George Kittle to get significantly better next year, which should be a scary thought uh, for 49ers opponents. Not necessarily from from a receiving standpoint in terms of you know yardage. I think Kittle can become a better blocker. He he was asked about it today, and he said you know there are one on one situations where he was blocking Khalil Mack, and that didn't go well for him. So he wants to improve as a pass blocker and pass sets, and obviously. He's not going to be used in that situation all that much because he's going to be running routes more often than not. Um, he thinks he can improve as a run blocker, and, and he proved to be really good as a run blocker in his first two seasons. So, you know, the, the ceiling for Kittle is is really high, and, and the 49ers, obviously, that, that's going to be, you know, over the, over the first two draft classes that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have put together, George Kittle, a fifth-round pick uh, out of Iowa, is definitely going to be the, the, the top guy you look at when you talk about you know, the successes that, that they've had in the draft. And, and obviously they have to replicate that this year if, if they want to continue building the roster and, and make a run towards the playoffs next year. What, what I find interesting about Kittle is sort of the, the off-the-field stuff, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. He, he was named a captain this year, and a lot of that was because, you know, guys talk about his work ethic and his attitude, and you don't often see second-year players be named captains so early on. And, and it was a few weeks into the season that Kittle joined, you know, Joe Staley and Richard Sherman and and Robbie Gold and DeForest Buckner in that group of captains. And I think his production sort of spoke to, you know, how, how seriously he took um, staying healthy in the offseason or getting his body in the right shape so he could be healthy in his second season in the league after struggling with a ton of injuries his rookie season. He had hip, ankle uh, just all, chest, shoulder, all sorts of injuries that rookie year and still played in 15 games. And this year, I think he played in every single game and obviously set the record and, and was the 49ers most dynamic player on offense. So I think the, the thing that really stands out to me about Kittle and, and what's important to look at when you talk about Shanahan and Lynch, you know, reconstructing the roster and building a, a foundation and, and culture that they want moving forward. Kittle is emblematic of that just in the sense of, how much work he puts in behind the scenes. And he's really become a tone setter for that locker room. And as some of these veterans move on, you know, Richard Sherman's not going to be there forever. Uh, Joe Staley isn't going to be there forever, certainly. And you you need to, the 49ers are going to need to have these young guys develop into leaders. And Kittle is quickly becoming that. Um, and also evident uh, of that is the fact he was named the Bill Walsh Award winner uh, by the coaching staff today. The, the team announced it's its annual awards and, and Kittle won the, the Bill Walsh award, which is probably the second most prestigious award they, that they give out. And along those same, that, that same theme in terms of, you know, locker room leadership and, and setting the standard and things like that. DeForest Buckner won the Len Eshmont award, uh, which is really notable, notable for him because that's the one voted on by 
the other players in the locker room. And, and they looked at Buckner similar to Kittle in the sense that he came to work every day. He worked really hard. He set the tone for the rest of the team and the work ethic and the culture and all of those things. Uh, and he was obviously their most productive player on defense with 12 sacks and probably a snub for the Pro Bowl, but he was named an alternate. I have a feeling he'll end up going anyway. Um, but, you know, that, th- those are important things for the 49ers in, in what is a lost season going 4-12 and to have some young guys step up and, and establish themselves as leaders. Yeah, that's that's going to be enormous going forward. And you wrote that piece at the beginning of the year about the Niners wanting to establish culture. And I think the I fact did. that it's young guys... It's on sackbeat.com slash 49ers. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. It was shameless on my part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they, it's it's really clear they're taking strides in that area. And, and a lot of people are going to look at the wins and losses over the last two years and they're going to see, uh, what is it, a, a 10 and, and, and 22 record? The yep. last two years, is that right? 10 and 22. And they're going to see failure, but there's a lot of things going on that that show that this team's going in the right direction. And I think the fact that you have a third-year player and a second-year player winning two of the most prestigious team awards, that's, that's huge. And it's something that's going to go under the radar because it didn't happen on the field necessarily. But I saw, I think it was, was it Matt Barrows? Uh, who tweeted out the quote about Joe Staley saying DeForest Buckner reminds him of Frank Gore in terms of his work ethic? Yeah, Staley Staley said that today, and that that was actually, um, you know, I asked Staley about about Buckner specifically because I, I wanted sort of his take. Because Staley, I think Barrows actually he wrote it this week or last week, and and I thought he put it best. He he called Joe Staley the mood ring of the 49ers, and and Staley very much. Uh, sort of wears his emotions on his sleeve. And, and if Joe Staley's unhappy, it's generally because things aren't great with the organization. And, and even though the team has been losing uh, this season and last year, Staley's been really happy with just sort of the direction of the franchise and and the decisions Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are making. But yeah, to, he he said, you know, there in Joe Staley's mind, there is no bigger praise than to say someone reminds him of Frank Gore. Frank Gore is Joe Staley's favorite teammate ever. He wishes everyone would be like Frank Gore just in terms of their professionalism and how they approach playing football and maintaining their bodies and everything like that. Staley is is Frank Gore's biggest fan. Um, and so for Staley to, to say, you know, DeForest Buckner reminds me of Frank Gore just in terms of the way he carries himself. I mean, that's a that's a huge testament to to DeForest Buckner and, and sort of the player he's become. And if you know, Buckner, we talked about it a little bit last week, but if Buckner can can string together another season or, or a couple seasons like he did this last year, he's going to become a super valuable player for the 49ers. I mean, he already is, but they're going to have to pay him as such on his second contract. And and that's a big deal. And that's, um, you know, the 49ers need more young players like DeForest Buckner and George Kittle to to keep to keep this thing going in, in the right direction. And obviously having a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't hurt either. Yeah, I want to stay on this press conference, the the Shanahan and Lynch joint presser from from Monday after the season finale. Uh, a big piece of that press conference to me was Kyle Shanahan saying that they're not gonna they're not gonna make any major changes on the coaching staff. Robert Sala is gonna be the defensive coordinator going into next year, and I think the confidence to me because when a lot of the pulse I get is from the internet, <laughs> which which is not great. But a lot of people, a lot of fans are really displeased with with Robert Sala. And I think the fact that the Niners were continuing to play hard in weeks 14, 15, 16, 17, 
uh, and the fact that Kyle Shanahan gave him that vote of confidence up front at that press conference, I think means that that Robert Sala did a lot of things right this year, even if the the productivity wasn't always there on the field. Yeah, and you you just look at all the mitigating factors, and and we've talked about it ad nauseum, but. You know, the 49ers started eight different combinations of safeties. They lost Reuben Foster. Um, they had a ton of injuries at cornerback and revolving doors at, you know, opposite Richard Sherman with Akella Witherspoon, Jimmy Ward, uh, Greg Mabin, Tervarius Moore. It just wasn't a situation where the defense was, was, was you know, it, it wasn't a, a situation conducive to success. Just the offense was turning the ball over. The 49ers turned the ball over 32 times. That's the third most in the NFL no defense, you know, the scoring numbers aren't going to reflect well on that. The 49ers finished 13th in the NFL uh, in total yardage. So they want to keep Robert Sala around because they like the scheme, obviously. They think Sala, like any young player really, is still developing as a coordinator. And and they really, you know, John Lynch hit on it today. He said, you know, we want, the, we want Robert to make this scheme his own. They're still going to run a lot of, you know, it's going to be the Seahawks style of scheme, but but Sala, you know, likes to get creative on third down and things like that. And and the Niners did play much better as the season went on. And and you know when they had two safeties play, you know, multiple games in a row like they did with Marcel Harris and Anton Exum, you saw things improve on the back end in certain in terms of, um, you know, communicating and and not giving up big plays and things like that. So the 49ers are banking on you know they if they get better health. Uh, from a lot of their young players, if if they don't lose a, a linebacker like Reuben Foster in the middle of the season, um, if the pass rush improves, which is obviously a mandate of theirs in this offseason, uh, if Solomon Thomas takes the next step, if Eric Armstead comes back and takes the next, the next step, um, the 49ers feel good about the talent they have on that side of the ball. And I think it's a fair approach to take just given the circumstances of the season um, so yeah, things didn't get off to a good start. Akella Witherspoon didn't play well early, early in the year. Adrian Colbert, Jaquaski Tart, those guys were injured. They have they had all those injuries um, in the back end of the secondary. But if they are able to get all these guys to play 14, 16 games next year, then I think it's fair to expect the defense to to take significant strides and and be competent competent enough to to what the team needs to to compete for a playoff spot. And if not, then it's then it's probably going to be time to move on, and and then those conversations will really heat up. But there have been so there's been so much turnover with coaching staffs over these last few years that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch want to keep everyone together so they can develop their players and really get an accurate sample of what it's going to take to to get this thing going in the right direction. Yeah, and I feel like when when you mentioned the the need for talent at some of those other positions, especially in the uh, with a pass rusher off the edge, that's going to be the the main thing when we're talking about free agency in the draft with the 49ers is how are they going to get pass rushers, get guys who can get home from the outside. And I think when you when you when you talk about that need for talent, I think we the Niners really got a an ideal finish to this season. At least that's the way I'm viewing it. And I want your thoughts on this because the way I'm seeing it is uh, the Niners showed that they they beat the Seahawks at home. They hung with the Bears and could have beaten the Bears at home, a, a bona fide playoff team. And then, and then you know, week 17 against the Rams didn't go great, but they were playing with, with effectively half a roster. And after all that, they wind up with the number two pick. Uh, 
uh, where they can really add some 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 strong talent or trade back and and you know pick up some draft capital to add to add additional talent. I feel like that end of that season uh, really was was prime for the 49ers. Yeah, it was good for them just to play well. It it's sort of, you know, we we talked about it a lot, you know, in the, in the first two episodes of this pod, but like it's important for them to play well, to build confidence, to know that they're on the e- equal playing field with a lot of these really good teams and it goes to show again that the talent gap between NFL teams isn't all that wide. It comes down to generally an NFL game comes down to a handful of plays. And if you get more of those plays to go your way than the other team's way, then more often than not, you're going to win that game. It's just there's the NFL winning in the NFL comes down to all the minutia, all the tiny little details, making the, you know, the third and six conversion in, in the fourth quarter of a game to, to put yourself in, in range for a game winning field goal. These are all areas of 49ers struggled with. And when you have, I mean, we saw it with Jimmy Garoppolo. When when you have a bad a bad roster, bad by NFL standards, and then all of a sudden that team gets infused with elite quarterback play, then all of a sudden you're you know you're you're cooking with gas. You're winning games. You win five straight. Uh, so the fact that you know a lot of these young players got valuable experience, maybe that helps them on the margins next year while they're dealing with, you know, while while they get Jimmy Garoppolo back. Um, you know, maybe the, the fact that. Anton Exum, you know, played so many snaps this season. If if he needs to play in a pinch next year, if he comes back, then you're feeling better than you would have uh, had he not gotten all those all those reps this year. Same with you know guys like Marcel Harris and DJ Reed and Elijah Lee. Um, the 49ers should be a lot better on the margins next year just because of all this experience that they've had dealing with the injuries, and that's really the silver lining from 2018. And you win games on the margins. So if if they're you know their their key core guys improve, they get better health next year. And we can talk about that too. Just the fact that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch sound like they're going to take a long look at their training staff and see if if changes need to be made. Let's go into into what Shanahan said. Let me pull it up at the press conference today. He said, uh, you know, he was asked specifically about injuries and, and whether or not the team can look into how they're handling uh, injured players and uh, all those, you know, rehab and everything like that. And obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo's injury is a big deal. Jarek McKinnon's injury is a big deal. Um, they've had a slew of other injuries. So Shanahan said it's been too big of a deal for two years. Injuries are pretty random, but it's also affected us huge. So that's something we definitely have to sit back and really look at from all angles and put a lot of time into. Just try to find a better perspective at it. Um, and John Lynch said, there's an old adage in football. I don't know if it's exclusive to football, but your best ability is availability. That is a cliche, John Lynch. Uh, he continues, we haven't had a lot of guys available, and that's something we're looking hard into. It's been ongoing. We'll continue to do that because it's something that needs to change, and I don't think that's any that I don't think anyone's to blame. We have been studying it. We'll continue to, and we'll try to get a handle on that. So, you know, obviously that's vague, and, and they're not going to name names, but you think of, you know, their head athletic trainer, Jeff Ferguson, who's been on the team been with the organization for a long time and was hired long before Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch got there. Um, maybe the fact that he wasn't brought in by them, you know, maybe he's the guy to go. Um, that would certainly not come as a huge surprise, just given the the way things have gone injury wise with this team over the last few years. And he was a guy who said, you know, you remember that Peter King piece uh, when he was embedded in the 49ers draft room in 2017, when they asked, 
for Jeff Ferguson about Reuben Foster's shoulder. And you know, Ferguson says, what shoulder? Saying that they didn't think his shoulder would be a problem. Obviously, Foster had a ton of other issues, but the shoulder was a serious problem for Reuben Foster. And that's maybe just an example that, you know, Jeff Ferguson might be the guy, might, you know, the ax might fall on him when it comes to determining you know, what direction the 49ers go with the training staff. Uh, the, the head strength coach, Ray Wright, was brought in by Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Uh, I'm inclined to think that that he's more safe than Ferguson. The the uh, the players talk glowingly about Ray Wright. Uh, in my experience with him, he seems, you know, I mean, who, who knows what I know, but it, it seems like Ray Wright is... Uh, is doing a good job just in terms of the way players talk about him and, and their regimens and, and everything that they do just from a conditioning and strength training standpoint. Um, Kyle, your thoughts on the 49ers conditioning strength and training staff. <laughs> well, the, the <clears throat> there's when you talk about injury luck to me and I'm not, I, I need a disclaimer here. I'm not a doctor, but when you talk about injury luck, it's um, <clears throat> Lakin Tomlinson gets rolled up on, and uh, gets his knee bent awkwardly. He tears his MCL. He's out for three months. That just happens. That's football. Uh, Adrian Colbert sprained his ankle really badly. That just happens. That's football. But uh, when you look at when you look at Jarek McKinnon tearing his ACL in a non-contact play, Jimmy Garoppolo, the way his ACL kind of went uh, with so many knee injuries to some of these guys this year with Dante Pettis and and Akella Witherspoon, it was just at, at some point like like. Like you, like Kyle Shanahan said, after two years of the same thing, um, you know maybe something's got to change, and perhaps that's just they they've had really bad injury luck. But to me, uh, on the surface, it looks like they could be doing something different training wise. Um, maybe it's something the staff needs to do differently, or maybe they bring in somebody different. Uh, but that's hopefully they do look into that because it's it's going to continue to be an issue, or that's going there. Let me back that up. If it's going to continue to be an issue, it uh, doesn't matter how much talent they get on the team. If if they're not on the field, uh, <laughs> they're not going to win a lot of games. I heard the uh, the best ability is availability. Wow, did you come up with that? Yeah. Wow, man. All my own, just wow. now. Really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. So, speaking of Lake and Tomlinson, let's let's talk about him uh, for a little bit. He he had sort of. Like you said, it's it's a it's an MCL tear for him. It suffered in the second quarter of that Rams game. He was carted off the field. Kyle Shanahan said after the game he was fearing that it was an ACL tear for Tomlinson. Then, and if it were an ACL tear, uh, that would have put his 2019 season in jeopardy. But the 49ers got some really good news in that his ACL was intact. It's an MCL tear, and John Lynch said it's a three month injury, which means. He'll be fine for OTAs and training camp, and and it was you know we we're talking about it with with the other beat writers after the game. Uh, you know we we spoke with Tomlinson during the week, and and the fact he played in a hundred percent of the snaps throughout the season, and was the only player going into Week 17 to not miss a single down. Uh, and we talked to him about that, and <laughs> and he's a uh, he's a very superstitious person. So after oh, every no. single question. Uh, talking about his durability and, and being able to stay on the field. He's knocking on his on the wood on his locker. And we're, you know, we're just kind of playing it off. Like, I mean, I used to play baseball. I'm, I'm superstitious. I get it. But we're just not, you know, nonchalantly. Ha, ha, ha. That's funny. And then he suffers this knee injury in the Rams game. And immediately we all feel terrible about it. Yeah. 
Um, but the good news for Tomlinson, who's been a really good player for them this season um, at, at left guard, the good news is that it doesn't look like he's going to miss time in 2019. And uh, and the 49ers offensive line uh, with more continuity and, and uh, better health could be a serious strength of the team next year. So it's good news for them that Tomlinson's uh, Tomlinson's injury isn't too bad. Yeah, it's hard to call a torn MCL like good news, but considering the alternative, uh, it's uh, it was probably the best news they could have hoped for. So, okay, so uh, other news. The 49ers are going to coach the South team in the Senior Bowl, and Kyle Shanahan has not been more lukewarm about a development uh, that I can remember. He talked about it uh, today at his... Uh, Monday, I should say, at his press conference and just said, you know, he sort of views it like the combine, like obviously, you know, to Kyle Shanahan tape is everything. Uh, he doesn't really need to, you know, see guys in person and watch them test in person to really validate what he sees on tape. He's very much a tape oriented talent evaluator. But what's more important to him is getting a chance to meet people and talk with people. And, you know, we've talked a lot about culture with Kittle and, and DeForest Buckner. That's what he's trying to instill. And so that's the benefit, he said, uh, of coaching the senior bowl is the fact that he's really going to get to know guys. And he said, you know, guys aren't going to lie to you when, uh, you know, who that person is, is going to be very apparent when you work with them for seven days. So that's going to be the benefit of the 49ers getting to coach in the senior bowl. The one downside of the senior bowl is really you look at, you know, really the first half of the first round and all those prospects that are expected to go you know, where the 49ers are selecting number two overall, there's only one true senior in that group. And that's Kentucky pass rusher, Josh Allen. And we'll see if which team he ends up on. I think the rosters are announced next week, but that's really it. it when it comes to the senior bowl and the seniors, it's going to be, you know, second, third, fourth round guys that the 49ers are really going to get a look at and not necessarily the, the pick the guys with the top five pick or who are expected to go in the top five. Uh, that they're going to be looking at. So it's an interesting thing. It sounds like you have thoughts. Yeah, I think that's important, though, because it, we we just talked about a guy like George Kittle who went in the fifth round. You look at Fred Warner, who had a really good rookie season. He's a he's a third rounder. Um, I just I, I think that's really valuable to get to know guys that are going to go down in those lower rounds because uh, maybe you maybe there's a guy who's projected to go uh, in the fifth or sixth round, but you think he's going to be a great fit because you got to know him at Senior Bowl and you take him in the third. Uh, I, I think you can wind up getting better value uh, out of that than than you're going to maybe in in getting to know the guys in the top five. So uh, I I do think that there's going to be a lot of value for the Niners coaching staff in in that area. Another pit bit of news from the press conference Kyle Shanahan really 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 does not want to be on hard knocks um the Niners are I think one of five teams that are candidates uh, to to be on the show um and we'll see you know there's a lot of different stuff that goes that goes into that um they might be able to use you know coaching the senior bowl as leverage to say you know we're doing this we don't want to be on hard knocks when they you know when they talk about these things with the league or you know we'll do a game in London uh, we'd rather do that than be on hard knocks, things like that. So, but if, I mean, sort of, I'm in a unique place as somebody who covers the team in that none of us want the team to be on hard knocks because we sort of want to be the ones telling the story, <laughs> right? The stories about the 49ers and, you know, they get all this awesome access and hard knocks and they get to, you know, have cameras, follow, follow guys around on their off day and, 
you get different anecdotes and things that we don't necessarily get. So we don't as writers want the 49ers to be on hard knocks because that's sort of taking some of our, our shine away. But the idea of a super cranky Kyle Shanahan uh, on hard knocks would be really funny to me because Shanahan is usually a pretty funny, jovial guy. Yeah. And he said, when asked the, the hard knocks question today, he said, um, quote, it, it's a hard, hard, bad stance, hard knocks. You will see the worst entertainment possible by me. And Kyle Shanahan's that, that's the entirety of his quote. And usually when it comes to anything else, aside from hard knocks, Kyle Shanahan's super expansive, uh, but he just really, really doesn't want to want to do it. Um, but I'm kind of split on it. I I don't want HBO stealing all my all my good stories to write, but I also kind of want to see a grumpy Kyle Shanahan on that show and and just how it would turn out. Yeah, and I I think it would be I think for people who don't cover the team, I think it would be pretty cool getting some kind of access uh, that we don't typically get. Obviously, you guys on the beat do a great job of of covering the team, but what Hard Knocks does is so unique in the way they, in the access they get and the footage they get, I think it'd be kind of a cool thing, but um, I'm not sure how much it would benefit the team. And I, I think Shanahan knows that it wouldn't, which is why he's so uh, averse to the idea. Yeah. I think there's a stat out there and I, I should have looked, but teams that, that are on hard knocks rarely, if ever make the playoffs. Right. And there's like, there's no way, like how many coaches have been on hard knocks and come out of it like looking awesome or like enhancing the the image of that coach. Rex Ryan, I think, is it. I think Rex Ryan gained a lot of popularity through that. But other than that, nobody. Right. And but it didn't exactly enhance his career. Like yeah. Rex Rex Ryan sort of plateaued at at Hard Knocks. <laughs> and then <laughs> is is I mean he, he got himself a, a TV gig on ESPN and there are rumors of him going back to college. But yeah, I mean I the, the Niners would much rather not, you know, I think they would rather leverage, you know, coaching the senior bowl or yeah, sure. to that, that Tampa Bay game we have next year. Uh, we're willing to do that in London, um, things like that. So uh, I think we've sort of hit on all of the, the key postseason or early postseason takes on New Year's Eve. Uh, I know you got places to be because you're a popular person with a girlfriend and thank you for um, letting everybody got, know. Thank you. You, yeah, you gotta, you gotta celebrate. Um, I mean, it's good because all of our female listeners can know Kyle is off the market. Uh, That's so I'm they don't to get need, across. Thank you. They don't need to keep, uh, sliding into your DMS, man. I appreciate um, you so much. This so is great. That's the purpose of you making that, uh, announcement, but, um, yeah, we're going to run. Happy New Year's, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, to the first three episodes of Candlestick Chronicles. As the offseason progresses, we're going we're gonna to keep putting these episodes together, uh, breaking down the draft, breaking down free agency, all things 49ers, news notes, players, happenings around the league. Maybe we'll do some playoff talk. There's a good, good slate of games coming up this weekend that we can get to. Uh, for Kyle Madsen, content czar at Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group, I'm Chris Biederman, 49ers reporter for the Sacramento Bee. Thanks for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends. Uh, Kyle is taken, so make sure your friends know that, and we will talk to you guys soon. You're the worst. 
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.